following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Everybody all right tonight? Got your rest this week? Sleeping good? I have a tremendous encourager in this church, and when he writes to me, it's always like this at the end, pastor, please get your rest. I'm going to get some good rest tonight. I went to Dallas today, had a funeral at one o'clock, got in at 530, but I was already prepared to preach and I did not want to miss my turn tonight. And so I'm going to give you what I have. It won't be lengthy. I'm a little weary, but I feel good in my spirit. It's a great night to be in the house of God. I'd rather be here Anywhere I know right now, because I know that the Holy Spirit will give me rest. It'll give me rest. And I may want to go to the Dairy Queen with Patty tonight after church. You never know. Would you stand? You're awesome people. I love you very much. I saw Justin and his sweet wife, Melanie, come in earlier. Justin is the oldest son of Pastor Kelly. And I I send my condolences to the family. Pastor Brad did the prayer for Pastor Kelly, these folks have been angels sent from heaven to us, and God's going to be all right with him. He's going to do his work. I believe that with all my heart. I really, really do. I really, really do. It's just one of those things that Satan tries to do to to take us off the track of where we're headed, because this church is headed somewhere phenomenal. Now, Tonight, I'm going to speak. I'm not, I don't have many words. I, I think I counted my words. I'm not going to tell you how many there are, but it's not as many as there are on Sunday. So I'm going to speak tonight shorter than normal. We're going to have communion tonight when I get finished. I love First Wednesday because of communion. But we're, I'm, going to, I'm going to start a little series tonight, four weeks on Wednesday night. You don't want to miss a Wednesday if you're in town. If you're out of town, you're forgiven. But if you're in town, we want you to be here. I'm going to call it Old Corn of Canaan month. It's in the Bible. Joshua 5, and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. We're going to talk about it's time to start biting on some old corn and quit looking up for God to drop something on your head. And get some old corn in your spirit and get your plow in your hand, get a vineyard prepared, get your house ready and get something moving in your life. Because this church is in a beautiful place and you don't want to miss out where we are right now. Amen. You don't want to miss out. So this message is an old sermon that I enjoyed preaching. You may not have enjoyed listening to it. Many of you were not here. This message was preached in 2006. 15 years ago this month, I preached this message. And I'm going to preach it again tonight. I'm not afraid to do that because we got a whole new bunch of people here that's never heard what I'm about to preach. I'm going to speak tonight on living in the edge. Living in the edge. Not living on the edge and not living on the ledge. (laughs) But living in, everybody say living in in. the edge. In other words, you have an advantage. You have an advantage. Turn to somebody and say, I want to help the pastor. 
I'm going to ask you to remain standing for the reading of the word right quick. 1 Samuel 17, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 48, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the, the army to meet the Philistine. He was ready. He didn't, he didn't walk. He didn't barely get there. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. A man is knocked out when he falls face first. He was knocked out. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him. He killed Goliath with his own sword and cut his head off with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sherim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of Goliath and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Long reading, great story. Say something to somebody, I'm going to help the preacher. I hope he's not long because I got plans after a while. You may be seated, you're awesome people. The Bible, folks, is divided into two divisions. We use the word testament. It comes from the Latin testamentum. A more proper name is covenant, covenant. So the Bible is really the old covenant and the new covenant. Covenant means binding together of two parties. That's what it means. The Hebrew word is berith. The Greek word is diatheke or diatheke. This actually means to cut covenant. It means to cut covenant by the shedding of blood and then walk in between the pieces, much like you have heard Abraham and God did in Genesis. A blood covenant between two parties is the closest, most endearing and enduring, most solemn and most sacred of all contracts. It absolutely cannot be broken. Would you say it with me? It absolutely cannot be be broken. See, the first covenant that God established was the Edenic covenant made with the first woman in Genesis. He made it with Eve. Genesis 3.15, the theme was this. God says, I will prevail by placing my foot on the serpent's head. That's the first covenant. I'm going to prevail. The second covenant was Adamic. It was an Adamic covenant. It says man will have dominion. God gave Adam dominion over all the beasts of the field and all the fowls of the air and all the fish of the sea. He had dominion. When I say dominion, folks, the lion obeyed him. The tiger obeyed him. The leopard walked by him and purred. He didn't growl. And then the third covenant was Noahic. It was a storm that happened on this earth. And for 40 days and 40 nights it rained. And Noah had built a boat and was spared because he had prepared for the, for the flood. And 150 days later, Noah comes out of the ark and there's a rainbow in the cloud. And that's the covenant. God said a storm will never destroy you again. I like that covenant. He's keeping his word. And then the fourth is the Abrahamic covenant. God says, I got your back. 
I'm going to be there for you. You don't have to worry about going where I send you. You may be looking for a city that hath foundation whose builder and maker is God, but I've got your back and I'm going to be there for you. And folks, to this day, he's still for the nation of Israel. The covenant of God is forever. So a covenant requires that you give life, that you give love and protection forever. Till death do you part. You ever heard those words? Yeah, you heard them at your wedding. The highest form of blood covenant besides the Lord and man is a marriage. The feeding of a wedding cake to each other is saying, I am now in you and you are now in me. We two are becoming one. We are becoming one. Blood covenant causes total commitment. Say it, total commitment. So what I'm going to do very quickly is I'm going to walk you through a covenant. I'm going to walk you through how it's made. There's nine steps to a covenant. I'm not going to make this lengthy and long. I could labor on it and preach for three hours. I'm going to make it done in about six minutes. But the first step is to take off your coat or your robe. That's what you do. When you come to covenant with somebody, you both take off your coat or robe. The robe represents the person that you are. And it denotes your position. Whether you're a ranking official, whether you're a beggar, whether you're a leper, whatever you are, it denotes your person and your position. So you take your coats off and you swap coats. You said, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you all of me and I pledge to you my life because I'm giving you my person and my position. The second is you take off your belt. Now a belt is not meant for pants in the covenant, but it represents a person's weaponry. A belt holds armor like a dagger like a bow, like an arrow or a sword. And my ability to fight for you is going to come into play. If anyone attacks you, they're attacking me. Amen. And my battles are not my own, but you have my battles and I have your back in your battles. I love that. Then the third is to cut the covenant. They split an animal in the Old Testament right down the middle. And only in a covenant was the animal cut this way. The bloody halves lay side by side. And the two participants that cut that, that animal down the middle of its back walk through in a figure eight. They start off standing back to back. And if I had time, I'd bring somebody up and we'd demonstrate. But they stand back to back. And I walk this way around the animal. And my, my covenant partner walks the other way around the animal. And when we come back, we're facing one another. So we stand back to back and then we finish face to face. What we are saying when we stand back to back is we are dying to ourselves. Our life is no longer mattered as much as your life matters. And we're speaking then face to face. If I ever break this, may this that happened to the animal happen to me. That's powerful, folks. And the fourth thing in a covenant is you cut your palms and you mix blood. And that still happens in gangs today. They cut their palm and they mix blood. And they raise their hand and they clasp it together and allow their blood to mingle, which means to take each other's worst and best traits. I will give you my blood. You will give me your blood. By letting blood intermingle, we are putting off our old life and putting on a new life. Hallelujah. We're giving away and receiving. We're becoming one. Then the fifth thing is we exchange names. Oh, I like this. We exchange name. I take part of your name into me and you take part of my name into you. Let me give you an example. 
when Abram and God cut covenant in the book of Genesis, Abram became Abraham. I am. Ham. Am. And God no longer would just call God, but he took on Abraham. I am the God of Abraham. And when Isaac came along, because he had a covenant with Abraham, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac. And when Jacob, oh, you're getting it now. When Jacob came along, he said, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You hear me? If a father will make covenant with the heavenly father, if a dad in a house will make covenant, your children will be blessed and your children's children will be blessed and you will have prosperity in your home because of covenant relationship with Almighty God. This is old corn. Then the sixth thing we do is we make a scar. What we do is we rub our hands together. We clap them hard in order for the scar to form because we don't want our hands to heal. We want there to be a scar. It will bear witness to our covenant. If anyone tries to harm us, all we have to do is raise our hand, raise our arm and show the fact that we are in covenant. We're saying there is more to me than meets the eye, old boy. If you come after me, there are others who you'll have to fight also. It's called the heavenly host because they're taken up for the heavenly father. Somebody help me right now. Henry Stanley on his explorations through Africa cut covenant 50 times with various chieftains. 50 times he cut covenant. And when he came across any who would be attacking him, he just held up his right arm showing those 50 scars. And the attackers fled the other way, never even asked a question. Today we shake hands. It's a sign a brotherly and sisterly covenant. And the seventh thing we do, we give covenant terms. We're saying simply, all my assets are yours. You got to speak this up. You got to talk this. And also my liabilities. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, let me come in. I will sup with him and he with me. In other words, he will take our bad. He will sup with us first and then we can sup his cup. He'll take our sadness and give us joy. He'll take our pain and give us healing. He'll take our misery and give us happiness. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm happy I'm a part of the kingdom of God and I've got a relationship with the heavenly father. And the eighth thing we do, we eat a memorial meal. And that's, we're going to do that tonight. We're going to cut, we're going to have this tonight. It's, it's, it's like a meal. In place of animal and blood, we have bread and wine. And we feed one another. We're becoming one. And then the ninth thing we do, and the final thing is plant a memorial. A tree is planted. And we sprinkle the blood on the tree from the sacrifice of the animal. And the blood sprinkled tree along with our scars will be a testimony of our covenant. It's a study of its own. So now I want you to place Jesus as your covenant partner. I want you to place Jesus as your covenant partner. Aren't you glad that when he came, he took your garments and let you have his garments? Aren't you glad when he came, he did some beautiful things in your life and he gave you a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Aren't you glad that you can speak to him and say, all I have is rags. And he says, all I have for you is riches. All I have is pain. All I have is healing. All I have for you, Jesus, is heartache. All I have for you is blessing. Aren't you glad you signed on with Jesus? That's living in the edge. Now, why the story in Samuel 17? This is a story in the Old Testament, the biggest battle Israel ever faced, the biggest test, the most awesome foe 
in Goliath. No army, no man, no Israelite had ever faced such a challenge. And they didn't afterwards. However, it's even more than that. Goliath is the fiercest fighting machine in the land. And David is a kid. He's just a boy. He brought food to the camp for his brothers who were fighting against the Philistines. He was someone too young to even be in the army. So here's what I put on the screen. The devil's baddest and the Lord's kid. That makes me laugh right there. The bad, bad, bad Leroy Brown devil against the kid. Who would you wager on if you're a gambling man? Don't wager on this one. You might lose. Hell, this is not hell's weakest. This is not heaven's best. This is an army of hell against a kid. And God is establishing something for us in this story. I'm preaching to some young couples and young people here tonight. I want to tell you something, something you already should know. God is saying to all of us that there is not a young person here that cannot whip the powers of hell. You don't have to get 40-something in order to be a conqueror. You can be a conqueror at 18. You can be a conqueror at 21. You can walk through this life saying, no, 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 not today, devil, not tomorrow, devil, and not the next day, devil. I'm going to live for God all my life. Daniel was 19 years old when he purposed in his heart in Babylon that he would not defile himself. We got young people that can be winners in this house tonight. And they are winners. There's not an adult that cannot be victorious. So there's four things David did. You might want to write this down, put it on your refrigerator. He recognized what the enemy was not. He recognized what he wasn't. David called Goliath uncircumcised. Verse 26, what that meant was he was out of covenant with God. He wasn't in covenant. Every Jewish baby at eight days old was circumcised and then named. That's where they got their name. And, And that was God's covenant with Israel. And David recognized something out of covenant that was trying to destroy something that was in covenant. And the enemy that was trying to destroy are things out of covenant. Anything that tries to destroy you is always out of covenant. And what you have to recognize is if it's out of covenant, it cannot destroy what is in covenant with God. Are you with me tonight? The second thing David recognized He recognized who God was. In verse 26, he said, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the, say, living God? A living God, not a dead God, not a statue. He said, remember the lion and the bear? Goliath will be as both. He understood who his God was. Folks, I'm going to tell you, God has brought us through so many things in the history of this church. And he's brought you through those things, being a part of the history of this church. There should be nothing that we could say will defeat what God has got going and started in this house. Can you say amen to that? There should be nothing that we could say, you know, that's just too big. There's nothing too big. And the third thing is that David was not afraid. He said, let no man's heart fail. I will fight the Philistine. And he ran to meet Goliath. And number four, he finished the job. A slingshot killed the giant. Goliath's sword was used to cut his head off. He took it back to Jerusalem. But what David didn't do, he never called Goliath giant. 
Nothing is ever bigger than the God of our covenant. I got to stop and walk on that one. I said, nothing is ever bigger than the God of our covenant. But pastor, I said, nothing is ever bigger than the God of our covenant. But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I said, nothing is ever bigger. I don't care how tall it stands, how loud it yells, how long it's been there. It's not bigger than the God of your covenant. Disease is yelling to some saints here. Child rebellion is yelling at some parents. Bondage is screaming at many. And you will not escape the drink, the drug, the nicotine. God wants you to know that the biggest can be destroyed by the youngest. Don't call it a giant if it's out of covenant with God. You can win. Say, I can win. I want to go a step further. There is a word called fact. And then there is a word called truth. Fact means something said or told for the truth. And truth is indisputable truth. The character of truth. Jesus is truth. Jesus never said he was the way, the fact, and the life. (laughs) He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. There's a difference. I don't care what fact says, truth will prevail. Fact says cancer kills. Truth says Jesus heals. Many times I've heard someone saying, Pastor, that's the facts. I just, the facts. We learned that from Sergeant Joe Friday on Dragnet. Just the facts. There is a devil, fact. There is a God, truth. There is a devil after me, fact. God is my helper, truth. The devil wants to destroy me, fact. God will keep me. Devil is trying to curse my family, fact. God will bless your family. Devil sends diseases, fact. God heals. Devil wants to crush family, fact. God is a family preserver. Devil is my adversary, fact. God is my hope. The world is crazy, fact. The church is safety. The world lies to you, fact. The word is truth, truth. Wow. I think think I'm speaking better than I'm getting back from you tonight. I think somebody ought to get on their feet right now and clap their hands because we have a covenant keeping God in our lives. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. Woo! You may be seated. Boy, I tell you what, that trip from to Dallas and back is all behind me now. I'm feeling good. I'm almost finished. I'm a pastor that says it and hushes. Everybody say, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. I'm here to say facts do not have the last say. Truth does. Fact. Fact. Pastor Kelly probably got hit and the driver ran away. That's a fact. Truth 
God's got the final say. Fact, Jason had an aneurysm that burst in his brain. Truth, God is a healer. And I'm here to say that fact cannot speak last. Truth will. And truth is the only thing that will make you free. So you want some truth? God lives on you by the covenant. When you exchanged your robe, his robe is on you. So you have his authority now. Number two, our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have his belt on us. Number three, God will not break his covenant with you. When you walked in eights with him, it was a brand new beginning. And he's face to face with you and said, I'm here till the very end and I'll never leave you. Fact number four, you've been saved by his blood because you've cut covenant with him. His on the cross and yours because you loved him and you touched his hand and he touched your hand and you mingled his blood with yours. And five, you have his name, Jesus. Here at hell, Jesus. Here at world, Jesus. Here at enemy of the church, Jesus. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've got the name of Jesus for neither is there salvation in any other for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Healings in his name, deliverance is in his name, powers in his name, glory is in his name, heavens in his name. It's all in him. It's all in him. It's all in him. Open your mouth. Number seven, open your mouth. Open your mouth and say, I can overcome. Your assets and liabilities, I can win. I've skipped six. Let me go back. Clap your hands. Raise your arms and worship. You know, every time, watch this now. Watch this, watch this. Every time you do this. You know what you're doing? You're driving hell crazy. That's why the Bible said, oh, clap your hands, all you people. And shout with a voice of triumph. Because you're saying, I'm in covenant with him. My hands are clapping. His hands are clapping on me. Come on. I'm in covenant with the heavenly father. I'm in covenant with him. Hallelujah. Open your mouth and say, I can overcome his assets and liabilities. He takes your liability and gives you his assets. I can win. I will win. And number eight, let his word penetrate. Love his holy blood and love his body. And every time we have communion, eat the memorial meal of bread and the fruit of the vine. And number nine, plant a tree. Calvary is hell's defeat. And the blood that sprinkled that tree, hell still looks at and says, I can't win. So I'm gonna to try to deceive people. I'm gonna to try to work people's mind over. I'm gonna to try to make them think that I am something special when really he's just on a leash. He's not only power he has is what's given to him. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and 18, just before the Great Commission, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. I'm here to tell you, folks, when you have Jesus as your covenant partner, you're on the winning team. You're on the winning team. That's truth. And facts can't say that. Randy, if you'll come, 
I'm done preaching. I'm finished. Did you enjoy the word tonight? So, so a little boy was asked to move a rock out of the front yard. And he gave it all he had. He tried and failed. Sat down. His dad said, you didn't use all your strength, son. He said, yes, I did, dad. He said, no, you didn't, son. You didn't ask me for help. You have a covenant friend today that when you need him, he is there for you. And all you have to do is ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find and knock and it shall be opened unto you. That's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. Believe what I'm talking about tonight. This is old corn stuff. This is stuff that just lets you know you can live in the edge. You don't have to live on the verge of saying, oh God. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do drama. You can do Jesus. Jesus is your answer to every situation in your life. He's been here. He's done it. He bore the cross. He carried our sins to the cross. We are his. Live in that dominion and watch God do something great in your life. Would you stand to your feet and let's clap to the Lord one more big time. All the people online clap to the Lord all one time. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. Why would we want to magnify the Lord? Why? Because why does he have to be magnified? Because trials come and they get bigger than the God that you serve. So that's why David said, you need to magnify the Lord bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your problem, but sometimes when you let the problem get bigger than him, you have to magnify him. In my pocket, I had it, but I, I left it over there. I had a penny. Give me a penny, huh? Give me some. No, 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 no. I need a penny. Somebody give me a penny. Somebody give me a penny. Anybody got a penny in the house? <laughs> this was not even planned. Anybody got a penny? Okay. Thank you, Yannick. Okay. You see this? One copper cent. You see that? Now watch this. It all depends on where I hold it. It lets me know how big it is, okay? So out here, I can hold it out here and that light is blinding me. But let me put this penny right here on my eye and that light's not even in my vision. Sometime a penny worth a problem that gets too close to your vision will stop the brightness of God shining in your life. So what you have to do is stand back and hold it afar and say, there's the light and here's my problem. And I really can't see my problem because the light's so beautiful right now. It all depends on where you put your problems. Come on folks, you can live in the edge. Anything out of covenant cannot destroy what is in covenant. That's the message tonight. Lift your hands, dear father, I love you. And I thank you for tonight. And I thank you for your word, your goodness, your kindness your benevolence to us. We are very grateful. Thank you for a safe trip to Dallas and back today. Thank you for 
a wonderful family that we got to be with today. And thank you, Lord, that we have a beautiful church to speak to tonight. And I love all these people with everything that's in me. I love them. And I thank you for the privilege of getting to pastor such a blessed group of people in a wonderful church. 